Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hi, everybody. I hope you're doing great today. I have been getting a lot of questions about nutrition and when a person is in late-stage Alzheimer's, when should you or should you ever use a feeding tube, things like that. When should you maybe stop feeding a person? Um, Is there a time when they are losing weight and on hospice when you should just give up on the person. And um, a doctor recently told a client of mine that they should stop feeding their person and just let them die. Um, You know, I, I have my own opinion on whether or not we should vaccinate people who are in late-stage Alzheimer's or Lewy body. Um, Should we use palliative care to try to make them well if they get pneumonia and things like that? And, you know, there's before the pandemic, there would be reasons why we would maybe not vaccinate somebody for the flu or for um, pneumonia or something like that. And then if they just live through it, okay, they live through it and we keep going along our merry way, but we're not treating them for anything. Um, That makes sense because we don't want to prolong the process of somebody that is in the late stages and can't speak and can't feed themselves and can't bathe and, and all those things. I get it. I get that. But when a person's body is starting to shut down and they are subliminally telling you that they are shutting down because they are now on pureed food and things like that, I think that person will let you know when they think they're about to go. I think they will tell you in many ways through their own facial expressions, body language, um, you know, things like that, uh, whether or not they are ready to go. I don't think we need to have a doctor say, stop feeding this person, stop, stop working with this person. I don't, I don't know why, but that just agitated the hell out of me, <laughs> that a doctor could look somebody in the eye and infer, in, in, infer the fact that they don't need to care for that person or love that person anymore. I don't think doctors always know how deeply emotional and ingrained it is for people when they love someone. And there are plenty of people who would say, I just want my person to die. I want this to be over with. But the overwhelming majority does not feel that way. 
So I was really taken aback when I heard this. And, you know, I said, here's the thing. Here's what you have to understand. If you stop feeding that person because they're in late stage and they're no longer getting nutrition, it will take their body probably two to three months to shut down. And during that time, they will have dehydration. Their skin will turn a grayish color. Their fingertips and toes and things like that will turn purple. They are gasping for air. It's miserable. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So I said to this person, listen, if if you have a meeting, you have a care plan meeting at the at the memory unit that they're in, and you hear from them that they think this person is right on death's door, knocking on death's door. They think they're not going to live another two weeks. They think because they can. You can kind of tell. You don't need a crystal ball to know when somebody is right there at the end. You, you can tell their body seems to be shutting down. They're eating less on their own. They just push food away. They're not, they're not trying to eat or anything like that. You can tell when somebody's shutting down. And generally, people who've been in that community for a long, long time would be able to say, I think they might be gone in a week or two or something like that. But if they're not there then you should continue to feed that person. You should continue to take care of that person and love them and and care for them. And I told him, I said, if they feel like this person that, that you love is in the actual dying process, tell them to quit fucking around and go ahead and just give them, just give them heavy duty pain medication and shut them down. And I promise you they'll be gone in a week. If that's how we're going to play this, then that's how we're going to play this. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of blown away at the audacity. I mean, this is, this is, um, for better or worse, in the Dr. Kevorkian vein. Um, I'm not against that. I am not against that. If somebody has a degenerative brain disease they're going to die from, they're going to lose their mind, they make the decision they don't want to go there, they want to die early. If they make that decision on their own, um, I'm okay with that. That's all right. But if they didn't have a chance to make that decision on their own and they're in late stage, there are days that... We as a public, we as a caregiver might say to ourselves, we are so tired of this journey that we're on. This person um, doesn't know who anybody is. They are sitting in a wheelchair. I get the idea that you might want it over with. I get that. But doing it in a long, painful, ridiculous process over two, three months, to me, that's letting the person suffer. And it's bullshit. 
I I am just really stunned that a doctor would say, stop feeding the person. Just stop feeding the person and let them go. What happened to the oath of first do no harm? Like, are you kidding me? Where? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand that. So if you are ever talking to a doctor and they are talking about your family member and they tell you to just stop feeding them, give them a big fat finger in the face and walk away. That's what I say. Um, ask them what they are willing to do to end the process for that person so it's not painful and it's not lengthy. Not feeding them, not an option. That's just, to me, cruel and unusual punishment for getting a disease that they never asked for. If you can't tell that I'm extremely irritated about this, then you're not listening close enough. Um, it really makes me mad. So we're going to talk about this for today for a little bit about nutrition and meal times when the person is chronically ill and about choking and um, what happens if they were to take food into their um, lungs and, you know, they have eating problems and, and stuff like that and what they shouldn't eat and what they should eat and if they're not swallowing and malnutrition and choking and weight loss. I'm going to talk about all that so we get this super clear and you all can make your own decisions. Um, but this, it, this just makes me nuts. So I'm going to dive into it. Good nutrition is important for anybody, right? It's important for anybody. And if that person isn't eating well, then they're going to lose weight. Um, in a care community situation right now where they are lacking caregivers and they don't have enough, they don't have enough people to feed that person or whatever it is, to me, for the, for the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that you're paying for them to care for your loved one, not having time to feed somebody is a cardinal sin. Figure it out, whatever it takes. Hire people from temporary companies. Do whatever you have to do. We realize early in the game that the more we try to keep that person healthy and, and thriving, the longer they will live with the disease. So if you were doing that along the way, knowing full well that you were keeping them strong and healthy and their body strong and healthy with their mind deteriorating, then live with those consequences and help that person out in the end. Honest to God, I'd rather have you give them junk food and let it let it be done. I mean, I just don't I just don't get this. Let's let's drag them along and let's keep them healthy for a long, long time. And then when it gets inconvenient for us, let's just shut it down. I I just think this is just unbelievable. So anyway. 
if the person is struggling with eating food, if they are are really in a tough situation, um, there are things you can do. So if they're having trouble with coordination, you can certainly give them finger foods that they can pick up and try to eat. You can give them soups that they can pick up in a cup and drink so they don't have to use utensils and things like that. Um, do some things for yourself where you can, you know, use a plastic tablecloth or placemats or serve meals in a room where the floor can be, you know, easily cleaned. Um, don't scold the person if they're using their fingers. They they don't know what they're doing. And um, if they eat with their fingers, it will it will shorten the time or postpone the time when you have to actually feed them. So let them pick up the spaghetti and whatever. And if they're if they are picking up spaghetti and they're throwing it on the floor and you don't like it, then don't give them spaghetti. Give them something else. Try to try to figure out for yourself what's going to make things easier for you. Give them bite-sized little pieces of of um, like hamburger or chicken or french fries and things like that, things that they could chew up really easy. And if they can continue to use a fork or a spoon, um, they'll be more successful when they're trying to eat side dishes or anything that you give them. You can, uh, you can purchase scoop plates or place plate guards that attach to a plate. You can get those at medical supply stores, and they slip less. It's easier to work with them. It's easier to keep them from picking up the plate and just licking it and having everything end up in their lap and stuff like that. Um, you can use plates with su suction cups so they can keep it on the table so they don't just pick it up. You can buy utensils with big, thick handles and and things like that. Um, you can build your own handles with like foam rubber, make them a little bit bigger so the person can grab it and get a good grasp on it and things like that. Um, you know, there's just there's just ways you can do it. You can put a smock over the person. You can get those at hairstyling stores. Ask your local hairstyler if they could order an extra smock for you that you could put on the person when they eat. So if they get themselves all dirty, it's not a big deal. Right? Um, I think smocks are better because it doesn't look like a bib like for a little kid. Uh, I think it could be easier to clean up and, and all of that stuff. Sometimes, you know, a person might be offended wearing a smock. Um, they might not want to. Um, you could use a large apron or something and, and act like you're using that so that you can help them to help you cook or whatever you need to do. There's ways to Clean up the mess when a person is in late stage and doesn't eat well. That And they need help with cueing. They need help with holding a spoon or a fork or things like that. 
So these are ways you can do it and things you can cover up their clothes and, and take them in rooms where they're not going to get stuff all over the carpet and stuff like that. Now, when it comes to drinks, um, you should make sure they get enough water every day. Um, people who are impaired have a tendency to forget to drink. So make sure that you're offering them a drink every couple of hours. And if you forget to give them drinks, they can have physical problems. Their, their body will posture. They'll draw up. They'll have a tough time. Uh, those are the physical things. That's the, that's the dehydration I was talking about that you don't want to see. Um, you know, make sure that if you're giving them hot drinks, they're not too hot. Uh, they have the, they lose the ability to judge whether or not something's too hot or too cold for them, and they might burn their tongue. If they don't like water, just give them juice or, or tea or something like that and just have them, uh, you know, ha take a couple, couple uh, sips at a time. Easy stuff. You might have to be a little careful about coffee, caffeinated Caffeinated, uh, caffeinated, I can talk right really, I can, my friends. Caffeinated, um, you know, Pepsi, Coke, 7-Up, things like that. Those are diuretics, and they draw fluid out of the body. They are not, they're not good for um, having them maintain their nutrition and their nutritional intake. So... Just be careful about things like that. You shouldn't be giving them pop anyway. It's not good for you and it's bad for your teeth. What if that person has to, you know, what if they can't eat any of those things I just mentioned and we have to put them on a pureed diet? Well, you can take their food, put it in a blender. You can use a baby food grinder. Those things are easy. Um, you can puree those foods. It's easy. It saves time. It saves money. Home-cooked meals pureed would be much better than trying to give them, you know, even baby foods and stuff like that. And if you are having to spoon-feed that person, put just a small amount of food on the spoon at a time and wait until they swallow before you give them the next bite. And 90% of the time, you have to say, will you swallow that, please? Or it looks like you have food in your mouth. You can um, reach over and sort of rub their Adam's apple and then move back so they don't hit you in case they're mad about you doing that. But spoon feeding somebody is a difficult task, but it's not an impossible task. And if it is your husband and wife who did things for you all your life, do it because it's the right thing to do. What if it were you? Wouldn't you want them to help you? Wouldn't you want them to make sure that you get plenty of, of um, nutrition and food in you? I certainly hope so. Eating problems are tough. They are tough. They're probably one of the worst, worst things that happen. Um, 
It starts when they are at home and they forget to eat. Uh, Even if you leave food right on the table, they might forget to eat. They might hide food. They might throw food in the garbage. They might eat it after it's spoiled. You know, that's a that's a big red flag that they're struggling. And you might have to make some arrangements for, you know, managing their food intake and, and being, you know, calling at the, the time when they're supposed to eat food and remind them or send somebody over to make them some food. Um, this is kind of a, it's really a short-term solution, but if you can um, hire a home care person that comes in and maybe they work for a few hours uh, during lunch and make make food for dinner and then you can stop by on your way home from work or whatever you have to do. But if you don't do that and they're still living at home, they can become malnourished easily you can generally tell uh, because they don't have any food in their refrigerator. They have expired food in their refrigerator. If they have animals, either the animals are too fat or too skinny because they're forgetting that they fed them and they feed them again and again, or they're not feeding them at all, and everybody's malnourished. And these can these problems can be catastrophic. I mean, it can just be terrible. People get fussy, they get angry, they get dehydrated, they can get a UTI, they can lose weight if they're wearing dentures, their dentures won't fit, Um, they can become loose, they take them out, they lose them, then they can't eat at all, they can't can't monitor the the temperature of food, so they eat things that are way too hot. Foods in a in a microwave could be way too hot in certain spots. Some can be really cool and some can be hot if they didn't mix it up. And they could put in, you know, like a, a tin, tin container and set fireworks off and catch the, the kitchen on fire. Or they could put something in glass, in a glass container, put it in there and go to grab the glass container and find out after they've put it on high for 40 seconds, they grab it and it burns their hands. This is where some of these things start happening and people start having problems with eating and refuse to eat certain foods or just forget. And, you know, somebody's trying to feed them a, a food they don't like. And and now foods are very becoming very confusing. One minute they like ice cream, the next minute they don't. Um, they don't recognize you know, mashed potatoes on a plate. All this stuff happens in the late stage. It happens. And we just have to figure out how we're going to work through it. Are we going to cue them? Are we going to have somebody come in and help them? Are we going to get over the fact that they can't use utensils if we've made them with the styrofoam handles and stuff like that and, and try to, try to work with, with, um, you know, letting them use the finger foods and eat, eat things that they might throw on the floor that are reminiscent of a two-year-old. It is what it is. Get past it. Don't be angry. Don't be resentful. If they didn't have a disease, they wouldn't be doing it in the first place. 
And if that person is only eating like one or two things that they like, maybe it's cookies, maybe it's pudding, maybe it's ice cream, maybe it's, you know, they're not eating regular food anymore, then that's when you don't don't care about what it is they're eating as long as they're eating something. And if they are eating something and they need medications, um, sometimes we can put those medications straight into their food. We can break the, the um, pills up and things like that um, and put it in their food so they can swallow it easier as opposed to trying to put a pill in their mouth and see if they'll swallow it with water. If they're having swallowing problems and eating problems, getting food is, is terrible. It's just terrible. And that's, that's where we w- maybe would work with some kind of a, a protein drink or a nutritional drink like Ensure or something like that. So at least we can keep their um, vitamins up and, and keep them functioning, you know, as long as, as they can, functioning fairly well. Well, when we come back after a short break, I'm going to talk about people hoarding food, nibbling on food, things they should or shouldn't eat. What if they spit food out? What does all that tell you? We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so you have learned today that when I'm agitated about something, I have no problem unapologetically dropping an F-bomb or whatever I need to because we are on on a journey. We are dealing with things the best we can. And when somebody comes out of left field and tells you to just give up on your person, that is not okay with me. So, moving on, what if somebody hoards food? Um, it happens. They will put food in their pocket. They will hide it in their rooms. Um, the problem with this is that if they are doing things like that, you're going to have insects. You're going to have mice. Um Sometimes they will do it if you just tell them that they can have a snack at any time. 
um, or leave a cookie jar where they can find it and stuff like that. And, you know, telling them that you've got snacks sitting on the counter and stuff like that. They might take it and put it and hide it someplace um, thinking that you might eat it so they want it. And it, you can't just remind the person that they need to keep it in the in the cookie jar or what have you. And and it becomes difficult. I had somebody that I had to uh, ask her if I could trade her like um, baseball cards for some spoiled food and give her some fresh food that I had. And I was able to get one of my clients to do that. Um, sometimes we just have to negotiate stuff like this. They're not of sound mind. They're not. But that doesn't mean we have to just discard them and get rid of them. That isn't, that isn't how we're playing this. So if they have, you know, something wrong with them, some, something else, an underlying condition like diabetes or something like that, and they might need a special diet, um, you were, you're going to have to like just put things in the cabinet that are sugar-free or, you know, just candies that, that don't have any sugar or um, anything like that. You're going to have to make sure that you remove things that, they're, that they shouldn't have because they don't have the judgment to be responsible to choose the right things to eat. They just get a craving and they want something and they'll go to whatever's in the kitchen, whatever's in the cookie jar and all of that. And you have to be responsible to make sure that they're getting foods that they're supposed to get and not getting foods that they are not supposed to get. Because I'm telling you, if if you don't do something to monitor this, you're going to have a lot of other problems. Boy, when somebody gets diabetic, we can lose toes. We can lose fingers. Um, they, they start having blackening of areas of their body. I promise you, you do not want to go there. So if you have to put child locks on cabinets and stuff like that or remove things from the home that they don't, they shouldn't eat or, or, or can't eat, then do it. Invest in some locks. Keep the sweets out of the house. Figure out what you need to do. And sometimes they'll just nibble on things. Sometimes they will, they want to eat all the time. So if you do things, if you have issues like that, then put out little small crackers or cheese cubes or things that they'll just take one or two of at a time. And if they're gaining a lot of weight, if you do that, then just put out some celery or some carrots or some things that they could eat. And keep away those things that they should not eat. Things like salt and vinegar, um, you know, things that if they were to just grab the bottle and drink it could make them sick. And sometimes they'll eat non-food items like soap, um, soil and planters, uh, Tide Pods, things like that. So keep those things locked up. Keep them out of the way so they don't go and grab them.
Now, what if you're trying to work with them and they don't want to be fed, they're not eating, what could cause that? It might not be because they're dying. It could be because they have a very dry mouth. They need more fluids. If they have a dry mouth, they can't swallow. And drugs that are given to them could cause problems with eating and making their mouth dry. And if just ask your pharmacist if any of the drugs that that person is taking is causing them to have a dry mouth or something. That could tell you a lot. Sometimes, you know, you can mix food with a little juice or a little water and ask the person to take a little sip with each bite. Um, and sometimes their mouth could be so dry it could be painful and the person could be cranky. So offer drinks, you know, all the time. Um, that will keep them from spitting things out, of, out at you in anger or just the inability to swallow. And if they're not swallowing, if they're putting food in their mouth, if they're pocketing foods, they don't remember how to swallow. They don't remember how to chew. And when they get to that point, just give them soft foods that don't require much chewing. Jello, pudding, applesauce, ice cream, mashed potatoes, um, kind of chopped up macaroni and cheese or something like that. Um, I guess you could maybe chop up a little meat, but just be careful, like if you did that with a piece of chicken or something like that, you know. Um, again, if they're not swallowing, they're not going to swallow pills. So crush them and mix them in with the food. There are some drugs that you should not put in food. So uh, certainly ask a pharmacist um, or a nurse who is giving those drugs out. Can they be given with food. And if they can't, then they can't. Okay. When that person becomes malnourished and they are dehydrated because of their overall health, all that's going to do is cause suffering. It's going to, it's going to shorten the person's life um, it affects the entire way the body functions, how well they recover from an illness or, or how well they recover from wounds or something that has happened to them. Maybe they've been sick or in the hospital or something like that. We have, you know, these are the things that happen. Um, even if somebody is overweight, they might still not be getting the, the proteins and the vitamins that they need. So um, if those people are having difficulty swallowing, they could have a stroke. They're at risk of a stroke. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of residents of nursing homes 
that are malnourished. And many of them are not getting enough fluid. So that, that home should be reporting to you that person's nutritional intake every single day. They should have a status of how well they are functioning and let you know. Because if they're, they're malnourished, they're going to have weight loss. And if the person loses weight and they're not on a diet, a doctor should be looking at this and figuring out why and give them fluids, those insures and things like that that I was talking about, um, to help them maintain a little bit better, keep their body from shutting down and, and so on and so forth. They, that person could get depressed they could, they could just be sad. They could be, you know, it could be just part of the disease process itself. But a lot of other options ought to be considered before you just give up on the person. If a person is, is pacing a lot, then more than likely they're burning a lot of calories and they need more snacks, they need more drinks, they need, you know, several small meals a day and things like that to help them from losing weight too soon. And sometimes all a person needs to do is just get better, to eat a little bit better and be in a calm, supportive environment. And you might have to you know, play around with this a little bit. Um, figure out what foods are tasting good or not good. Um, are they getting their favorite foods? Are they only eating one thing at a time? Don't rush them when you're trying to feed them. Um, people with dementia will eat slowly. You have to remind them to eat. They're, they could be sitting at a table like at a... At a um, nursing home, for an example, and they don't like the small group they're sitting with. They want to be with a person that's quieter. They want to be with a person that talks a little bit more. Um, you know, no, I don't think noisy dining rooms ever benefit anybody, honestly. Um, but, you know, if the staff members are too rushed to coax a person to eat, then family members have to step in. They do. You know, it takes a village, I guess. And, you know, if you could bring homemade foods, things that just smell really good. Um, people sometimes like to have their back stroked when they're, when they're in a situation where they're not swallowing well and they're not eating well and things like that. And... You know, they're reacting to medications that were giving, given and things like that. And, you know, at the very least, you should give them a high liquid diet, high calorie thing. Like I was telling you about Insure Maritime or something like that. And, and give them those kinds of things. They've got vitamins. They've got minerals, calories, protein. They can help that person function a little bit better. And, you know, you could give them a little milkshake or something like that. 
Sometimes they choke. You know, this doctor that told my client that he should quit feeding his brother. He was talking about choking. And um, people will forget to swallow and they will choke on their food. Um, if that person doesn't ever change their facial expression or if they've had a stroke or they, they're having trouble with chewing or swallowing or something like that, um, you just have to make sure that you're not giving them hard candy, nuts, carrots, gum, popcorn, crap like that, you know. Uh, soft, thick foods are better because they won't choke on them. That's where milkshakes come in handy. They're, they're really good. Um, Soft-boiled eggs, canned fruit, um, you know, those... Uh, Mandarin oranges, things like that. Those are those are perfect things to be feeding them because when they get them in their mouth, they're soft, but they're big enough that they they know that they're in their mouth and they will at least, if they try to swallow it and swallow it whole, it's going to be soft enough to just go all the way down. Um, you know, you can season the foods too. You can season them a little bit with just a little bit of salt and pepper or something to make it make it easier to swallow. And if the person is having trouble swallowing, have them sit up straight with their head slightly forward, not tilted back, not straight up. Um, they should be sitting in the same position as a person who is well is sitting. And have them sit there for about 15, 20 minutes after they eat just to make sure that they have chewed up everything and, and swallowed everything. And don't feed them when they're tired or when they're agitated. That just, I mean, that, that's not a good idea anyway. Why would anybody want to eat when they're tired or agitated? Most anybody wouldn't, really, you know. So think about the kind of things that you're feeding them. Is it something that would taste good? Is their mouth dry? What could add a little moisture? Can you make something taste a little better by adding some kind of a fruit juice or, or something like that? Um, know how to do the Heimlich maneuver if the person is struggling. Don't ever do the Heimlich maneuver, if they can talk or cough or breathe, just pat them on the back and see if you can get it down, whatever it is, and try to help them. If you, if you are worried about them choking on specific food, uh, then don't feed them that food or make sure that you are working with them to get fluid in every couple seconds when they are trying to eat. So I was asked about a feeding tube. I don't want to say it was a dumb question. There's no dumb questions in all of this. But if somebody has a degenerative brain disease and they are no longer eating well, and you're doing all the things that I've talked about today, why would you want to put in a feeding tube and prolong their life?
in what universe does that make any sense? The answer is none. When a person has Alzheimer's, that is a case where you should let that go. I think that would be uncomfortable. I think it would be really hard to deal with. I think it is fruitless. I, I have no clue why you would want to do that. Um, that just makes zero sense to me. So there's the answer, as far as I am concerned, of whether or not you should ever put in a feeding tube for somebody with a late-stage degenerative brain disease. The answer is, why in the world would you ever want to do that? I know I seem a little uncharacteristically strange in my conversation today. Um, I think that when you love someone, even if you are tired of taking care of them and you get to a place where your nerves are frayed or your health isn't good or the scope of the care has just become more than you can handle, all good reasons to let someone else care for them, if you can afford it, in a care community and what have you. But um, we don't get to play God. We don't get to walk in and put a pillow over their head and end it. And I personally believe that not feeding someone just because you have to spoon feed them is atrocious, it's offensive, and I'm telling you that the time spent over the next two months of watching that person turn gray and purple and having fingertips uh die and their feet die and their body shut down and the way they writhe in pain and are suffering from malnutrition is similar to things we saw in Europe 70 years ago. And make no mistake about it, the physical transformation of a person who is not being fed and malnourished and going that direction for weeks and weeks and months and months is unfathomable to me, and it is not right. It is, um, oh, I'm trying to not say something terrible. Just don't go there. If you're going to go that route, pain medication slows the blood pressure of someone, and it is a much more humane way to have somebody have comfort care and give them pain so they are not suffering, and um, 
work with a doctor to make sure that it is a quick and painless process that is done legally and humanely and with kindness and love. I think that's all I have for today because um, I don't want to belager the point. I think I've made it perfectly clear how I feel and uh, it is what it is. But to the doctors out there, these people belong to somebody. They are someone's husband or wife. They are someone's mother or father. They are people and they remain people until they die. And quite frankly, I wonder how you would feel if someone told your family member to give up on you and just not feed you. I hope I don't get very many cases like this because, boy, do I get my, my feathers ruffled. <laughs> anyway, my friends, I love you. I am unapologetic about my standpoint on these things. I call it like I see it. You can disagree with me. Um, if you want to disagree with me and send me an email, that's fine. Uh, you know, there are times when I can be swayed to see other positions. Um, but today, this is how I feel about this subject. I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.